Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I want to welcome everyone uh, tuning in tonight. Uh, Bruce, 7-0 and against the Ottawa Senators this year. Uh, another just absolutely dominating game by the Edmonton Oilers. They had 15 grade-A chances to four for the Ottawa Senators. 15 to four. Now, Bob Stoffer accused me of being like saying our scoring chances are too, too easy on the orders. And you know what? This is that was of all the criticisms of the scoring chance project that I've ever heard. That's the closest to having a little, little bit of merit because we've had we have to be on the lookout for that constantly, right? Where we're, mm-hmm. where we're trying to make sure that we give the other team every bit as much credit for a scoring chance as we would for the orders because we're keen to give the orders scoring chances. Right. And, you know, a little less keen, maybe. So yet we really are, you know, that we're, we're on the lookout for that is all I'm saying. We're trying to control that, control that aspect. But we did see it as 15 grade A chances for the Oilers and four, just four for the Senators. Mike Smith, Bruce, he had one, one big save he had to make that breakaway save. Uh, Well, he could have stopped the two goals, of course, but um, that, that one breakaway save, but even that was kind of, he kind of bobbled the puck right at the end there and he might not even got that shot on net smith did stop it but it was kind of so not much for mike smith to do tonight no no it was uh it was a good all-around display by the oilers and uh uh after i thought a sloppy start like about five minutes into the first period i was worried yeah, me so too. Thought they got that first goal after 10 seconds on that crazy bounce off the guy's stick that bounced off the ice and, and then found a tiny chink in the armor of Joey Decor 10 seconds into the game. <laughs> two two of the Oilers' four fastest goals in the history of the team have come in games against Ottawa Senators this season. So... Another fast start, but it was like that almost lulled them to sleep. And I thought Oilers played some pretty poor hockey in the next five or so minutes, uh, including on a tying goal by Ottawa, which we'll discuss a little bit later in the podcast. You can guess when that might be. And also, uh, um, like the shots went to seven to one for Ottawa, and it just seemed like a little bit of a shooting gallery. They were shooting though from everywhere, not necessarily in slot or anything, but. Again, they missed the net on a couple of chances, and then Edmonton sort of calmed things down and just took over command of the yeah. of the game. You know, I mean, the I, shots went from seven-one for Ottawa to thirty-seven twenty-five for Edmonton. So thirty-six eighteen the rest of the way. Sorry, Dave. yeah. Sorry, I, I cut you off there. I, I thought uh, I was like you, Bruce. I was like we're always talking back and forth on the computer doing the scoring chance work during the game, and I was going to say I think the orders are going to lose this game. I never did type that out, but I sure had that strong feeling early in the game. They were being outplayed and out out hustled by Ottawa. And then just, you know, having that one dominant line really is a factor. Like you, mm-hmm. if you have that line in a game of hockey that just kind of swarms the opposition and can score on them, you're just in such a, you're in the driver's seat in terms of winning the game. So Bruce, this is our uh, two good things. Two bad things and two numbers podcast because it's an owner's whim. We'll go with two good things 
each. What's your first good thing? My first good thing is uh, really the, the the big good thing that matters most, which was I thought this was a terrific team effort by the Oilers. I thought all four lines, all six D-men came to play. Uh, Mike Smith, as you say, he had a fairly easy time of it, but he came to play, you know, uh, he did his part. But uh, uh, here's a cool thing. All four lines scored a goal tonight. Now, granted, the... Um, uh, the the Caroline that their goal was scored by Nurse, but it was scored off a play by Patrick Russell to Nurse with Kara providing the big screen in front, and so the the line was was uh, directly involved in uh, uh, in scoring that goal, and they had uh, um, uh, so they you know they played their part, but the uh, fourth line Gaetan Haas got one. Uh, the second line, Tyler Ennis scored one off of uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins' feed off a monster Yesapoli-Arvi forecheck. And, of course, the first line scored two at even strength and then another one on the power play. So the power play chipped in. And, uh, they, you know, I just thought they were getting it from up and, <clears throat> up and down the lineup. And as the game went on, they just took more and more control of the game. We had scoring chances of five to zero in the third period for Edmonton, and you know Ottawa just never—they just wouldn't let them threaten. They kept winning battles, like they, you know, they—they they were doing it honestly. It wasn't like Ottawa was giving it to them. They were—they were—they uh, were diligent. They checked their butts off, and uh, uh, they won a whole bunch of puck battles, and. Uh, Got a lot of sticks and lanes, and and uh, uh, a few times, which again we'll talk about in a minute, where forwards collapse low to the front of the net to help out the D-man and take away what would have been very dangerous scoring chances and possibly goals. So it was, uh, I just like their uh, their, I won't say 60-minute effort, but let's call it a 55-minute effort or thereabouts. 50, yeah. 50-minute effort, whatever. Yeah, 50. Once once they got their stuff together in the game. They were they were great. And it just took a little while to get their bearings, and then they just took it over. Bruce, I've been uh, saying I think all year consistently that I think this is a pretty good team. Maybe at the start of the year, I had like like during that run where they were losing more than winning at the start of the year. But you know, their scoring chances have been really good all year long. And even after they lost to Toronto, I thought this is a good team, and um, this is what good teams do. They they crush bad teams. They don't give anything to bad teams. And the this, this Oilers team is a good team. It may be a very good team. Um, the defensemen tonight were all just all really moving the puck well, really playing well, defending well. This whole it was like you say a total team effort. My good thing is the uh, power play goal that uh, Leon Draisaitl scored. And I'm picking it out not because it's that different than many other. Power play goals that Leon Dreisaitl scores off of Connor McDavid feed, but because years from now, years from now, when you when we remember this era, Bruce, this is the kind of goal that we're going to remember. It's like when I remember the '80s, one mm-hmm. thing pops in my head more than anything else. It's Wayne Gretzky, and I can see it in my head right now. Wayne Gretzky threading the puck on a two-on-one to Yari Curry and him smashing it in the net. <laughs> that that was the the stereotypical uh, Oilers 
great play of that era. There's also Messier maybe making the, uh, or at Messi and Anderson doing their tricky pass. Like when Messi is going behind, then oh, he the jumps back side. to Anderson and Anderson would score on the short side. There's other plays as well, but the goal it's the <laughs> but this is the play, Bruce. This is the goal that will, that people will remember for the, for all Oiler fans will remember all of their lives when they think about this kind of team is this thing. So, so it's something to cherish and it's something to really, uh, Every time we see it, like it's, you can start to take it for granted. But this is the thing. That's the play that separates this team from other teams. The ability to pull off that play again and again and again and again. And it was executed perfectly tonight. And there was a, there was a third aspect of that play that I want to point out because it was... Maybe, maybe there'd be no goal if not for this play, but in front of the net, Alex Chason, who I, who I often pray, praise as the master of crease play on the power play, mm-hmm. he got tied up purposefully with Eric Goodbranson and yep. held his stick. He held his <laughs> stick for about one, one second, like for a tick, you know, just mm-hmm. when Goodbranson's trying to get over to get that stick into the shooting lane, there's, <laughs> there's Chason grabbing hold of it just momentarily, not enough to get a penalty, and stopping him. And Good Branson was so mad after that goal. He he was very upset, and I think it might have, might probably was you know not just being out there for a goal against, but because uh, Chase on had gotten away with that one. So good for Alex Chase on. Yeah, he's he's underrated. I, I see people still questioning what's he doing on the power play, and I'm thinking, man, every time I watch him on the power play, he's doing more or less what I want him to be doing. <laughs> He's so good at blocking and tackling, and and you know he's a lineman, right? He's not a he's not a running back or quarterback or receiver. He's a lineman, but he uh, he does his job very well indeed. I think because we're constantly breaking down the scoring chances, and we're not just mm-hmm. looking for the people who makes the passes or the shots. We're looking for the battles won and the screens that are made. So mm-hmm. we're, we're always looking for it. And when you start to look for that kind of thing, mm-hmm. he provides that more than any other forward on the Oilers. He, he's just fantastic in front of the net. And he's is he's better than anyone they've had in front of the net since we started this work, you know, which isn't no. necessarily saying a lot because there's been a lot of bad Oilers teams. Dustin Penner was pretty good at it in front of the no. net, but Jason is, no. he's in a league of his own and he is he is integral to, to this fantastic power play. He was last year. It no. had its most success when he was on the ice. And there is no. a reason for that. It's not just chance. It's it's because he he does all of this smart, uh, effective blocking and tackling in front of the net. I know you, I, earlier, but four or five games ago, I looked him up and, and uh, from our you know season long document of scoring chances. Yeah, and we credit him with goalie screens on six different Oilers power play goals at that point. And wow. I'm not sure if that number's gone up, but it, it won't have gone down. Let's put it that way. And and he you know he just takes the eyes away from the goalies it's it's a it's a skill and, and uh he's got it and we've had other big guys on the team remember milan lucic used to drive me nuts he'd be right in the goalie's eyes and he'd go off to the side of the crease looking to make a pass all the time just keep blocking the only goalie's vision let the other guys score Anyway, it's so frustrating. When, does. Yeah, it's so frustrating <laughs> when someone who because I, I can remember what and I me- remember being frustrated. And it mm-hmm. is so frustrating when you see someone who just has to get in the way, like screen that goalie. And why aren't you doing it? It was just constant that he wouldn't do it. So I guess they like him in Calgary. I'm if that's the, mm-hmm. if that's the case, I'm glad to hear that. Bruce, what's your second good thing? 
My second good thing is uh, strong defensive plays by the forwards. Uh, and I'm going to single out three, but I might mention in passing more than that. But the three were three times where a forward collapsed right down into the low slot uh, to take away what looked like a very dangerous scoring chance. And one, one was Gaetan Haas on a sequence uh, uh, in the second period where um, Ottawa had the pressure on and Smith was, he lost his stick. And his stick was down, and he he wasn't able to cut out. The, there was a centering pass, and both defensemen were caught a little bit low. And Haas came out of nowhere fast, which I mean, it's a good thing he's fast because he used his speed on this play to to cut into the slot and break up the pass to what I thought was going to be the goal scorer, to be honest. And Haas's uh, uh, quick read and quick feet and quick stick when he got there turned that into nothing. Uh, another one was uh, Devin Shore on a, a sequence in the second period where uh, uh, Ottawa came in on the on the odd man rush. Uh, Nurse tried to stop a guy up by the blue line. Uh, uh, he got beat. The puck came through. Bear was the second defenseman. He got beat by the pass across, but the pass didn't get through because Devin Shore, left winger, had come hustling all the way back to uh, to uh, get a stick in there intercept the, the puck and then he went from there to recovering it rushing it all the way up the zone and uh, up the ice into uh, Ottawa territory and being indirectly involved in the goal scored by Darnell Nurse on that same shift about 15 seconds after the scoring chance that he negated at one end he was celebrating a goal at the other end so that was really big that was score was 2-2 at that time that was a game-winning goal and then there was one very late in the second period. They only scored that power play goal that you credited by Leon to make it 4-2. And I was saying to my TV, like I always do, just get through the end of this period. If we get through here 4-2, no mistakes, boys. Just, you know, just just get it to the whistle. And there was a mistake. And the orders got trapped. It was like seven or six seconds left on the clock. And a centering pass came out to what looked like an open Ottawa guy. And this time it was Kyler Yamamoto. <clears throat> Who came back and made the uh, uh, the defensive stop with his uh, very good that we've seen many times defensive stick to to get it where it does the most good and, and disrupt the opportunity. And those, you know those were ones where the forwards proactive back check uh, right in the you know in, in in the kill zone was uh, was massive. And then there were just tons of other plays of uh, uh, I mean. Jujar Kara, the one time Darnell Nurse couldn't clear the puck out and Ottawa kept it in to keep the pressure on him. Jujar Kara just overpowered the point man inside the blue line. Said, nope, it's, you're not getting this back into the zone. I'm going to take it off you and get it out and we're going to change. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And there was, you know, Leon Dreisaitl uh, hustling, his, busting his butt back to turn a two-on-one into a two-on-two. Uh, or there was Alex Chason getting his stick on a what looked like a dangerous a stretch pass in the neutral zone, but because he was alert to the play and, and in the right place and able to get a stick on it, he turned that into nothing. There was tons of like little plays like that, yeah. in addition to the three crucially big ones. And this, this would have been a different game without uh, some of the you know lesser heralded forwards coming through on the defensive side of the puck. So credit them. I really like Yamamoto on that top line. I think um, he's what 
he can he can make it succeed. It may be in in the longer run. I don't know if they're going to keep that line together. I mean, the second line's kind of we'll see how how that works out. I'm yet to to see Nuge driving things um, in that spot. We'll see how it goes. But um, Yamamoto is such a smart defensive hockey player, uh, and that play was just typical typical him. He recognized where the danger was, and that's what smart defenders do. He he saw what was going to happen. He saw that everyone got sucked behind the net including McDavid and the pass comes out and he just hustled down there and made that play. So yeah, he's, he's like, a, he's not just a glue player, man. He's crazy glue. He's uh he's a very, if he can only learn to cash in on his chances, Bruce, <laughs> the, um, the, uh, they'll have them, they'll have a line that's uh, scores. Uh, I don't know. They'll have to make it illegal in the end. They'll have to make some rule changes, not to allow them to, to do that kind of thing. If, if Yamamoto starts scoring as well. If I was Kyle Yamamoto, I'd be spending the entire summer firing tennis balls against my garage door, just working, <laughs> working, working on the shot. A little quicker release, a little more, get a little bit more upstairs where the holes are. I mean, he's he's getting chances and he's missing. He's going to the chances. backhand too much. And, and I, yeah, I, I think he's capable of scoring more, but I do honestly think that he's a... He's a player who, I mean, he's still a young player, and he thinks he can improve. He needs, you know, skills coach. But one of those skills that I think can be better and likely will be in the future is his his ability to finish. His shooting, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, I, I, you also mentioned Devin Shore. I can't. I never thought like I'd be a big Devin Shore fan, but I'm liking him a lot with Kara, and uh, and Patrick Russell. Or you know, I would prefer to see Negard. But um, that that line, Bruce, played well, and um, Devin Shore is he he's suited to the wing. He's fast, he's aggressive, and mm-hmm. he's got some skill. He doesn't read the game particularly well. I don't th- feel defensively, but Kara does. And I mean, Jujar Kara has become this this uh, beast of a third line center in the last month. And uh, good stuff, Bruce. My uh, second good thing is also. Um, just a couple plays that I liked, and they're more aggressive plays, aggression plays of aggression. Okay. The first one was close. Ottawa came out there in a pretty nasty frame of mind. I thought, yep. And we're, we're was going hard, and uh, Austin Watson at one point, I think it was in the first period, went hard after Mike Smith, um, and Darnell Nurse just got in there and went after Austin Watson aggressively mm-hmm. uh, for ten seconds. It felt like he just kept going at him. Pushing him, shoving him, you know, getting getting in his grill, and I love that. I absolutely love that because that's the kind of pushback. If you're if you're a a really good NHL hockey team, that's what you got to do. You have to you have to dominate in every aspect of the game, including uh, extracurricular nastiness after the whistle go, goes. And it just sent a message to Austin Watson, who's a cantankerous player, that no, you're not going to get away with that. You're going to have to answer to Mr. Uh, Darnell Nurse out there. Doctor Two Five, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I liked how that scrum started on the edge of the crease, and by the time the scrum was over, it was all the way in the corner because Nurse just kept pushing them, pushing them all the way back and back and away from Smith, and you know, beacon the whole time, and uh, you know, that's that sort of stuff. I mean, as an old goalie, I love the greasy defenseman. I love the greasy number six defenseman. But when you have a little grease further up the lineup, that can you know come out when you need it. And I used to love that from Chris Pronger, to be frank, you know, 
that uh, when when the situation demanded a, you know a little bit of uh, forcefulness, he was uh, uh, ready and willing to uh, to deliver it. Oh, and, was he ever? Yeah, well, yeah, was he was he just ever. a totally intimidating presence. Chris yeah, Pronger well, was, and and Nurse isn't quite that. Well, the nurse isn't 31 years old like Pronger was the year he was yeah. here either. You know, I yeah. mean, he's still, he's still, still like, he's taking big steps this year, but I don't think he's the player now. He's going to be three or four years from now. He keeps playing like this, Bruce. He will be in the Norris Trophy conversation. At least, you know, Edmonton people will be pushing him. I will be. Some will. Some Edmonton people are, are not fans of the guy. It's like, oh, he scored. Well, that's going to cost us more money now, isn't it? You know, hey, Bruce, he scored. I- I stopped, goal. Let's celebrate yeah. it. <laughs> I stopped paying attention to that group of fans a long time ago. Like I just, mm. I just, you know, I just have nothing. I don't, you know, they can say what they want. I don't get it. I don't get how they look at hockey and how they rate it and rank players. It's just like, whatever. Mm. Um, you know, what I was thinking Bruce, who Adam Larson reminds me of, and this has probably been said before, but Kevin Lowe. No. Yeah. Okay. He, you know, just that vicious style of hockey, vicious defensive <laughs> hockey, uh, you know, and, and okay on the offense, a little slow in the boots, perhaps, but um, can pass the puck and make a play, but uh, not a great offensive hockey player, but, but just, just, you know, vicious. Okay. Uh, my I, second. I called him the Swedish Gator for years, but yeah, yeah I can say the other comparison, but you know, just a. Uh, a real tenacious, take no nonsense uh, uh, guy, and and oh, dishes it out, takes his share of punishment, pays the price, but uh, makes sure the other team pays its price as well. It's funny. This team has gone from having like no good right shot defenseman, except for Jeff Petrie, who they didn't appreciate. Yeah. I guess was Tom Gilbert a right shot defenseman? Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. He was pretty good in his last year before they traded him for Nick Schultz. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but they have four good right shot defensemen now. It's, it's just astonishing. My second, yep. um, just the second little aggressive play that I really liked was uh, Jesse Pugliarvi throwing his big butt in there against Eric Goodbranson on the forecheck, mm-hmm. um, leading to uh, Tyler Ennis's goal early in the third period. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the game wasn't really in doubt then too much. But well, Once uh, they got that goal, it wasn't in doubt. Sure. Sure, was. <laughs> and he he charged in there against the big, tough, aggressive, ornery player in Good Branson. Mm-hmm. Went right after him, and uh, maybe maybe naively, I don't know, but he did it, <laughs> and he won the puck. He popped the puck, and that started off the um, the virtuous cycle that that uh, ended up with the puck in the net. Very nice uh, finish by Tyler Ennis on the play. But Pulley started that all off. There's no goal without his uh, aggression there. So. Bit of a bad giveaway in there. Ottawa did have a chance to move it and yeah. they screwed it up, but uh, the the chaos was was begun by Pugliarvi's uh, aggressiveness there. Uh, I'll add one more to your list, which is also Pugliarvi on uh, Brady Kachuk. Kachuk thought he had him in the in the yeah. in, in the trolley tracks, and and Yessa saw him coming and did the old reverse hit, and uh, Kachuk went from hitter to hit he. In, a, in no time flat, and he was the one that was on the on the short end of it. Jesse's really starting to to use that big body in puck battles, and and he's starting to I'm starting to become impressed. Let's put it that way with his sort of native intelligence in terms of 
getting his body in a good place that uh, the other guys aren't going to like. And uh, he he's uh, uh, with his, with the speed and you know with his general you know strappingness. You know he's got such a good reach and he's got a uh-huh. you know, quick stick. And uh, and if he sort of adopts this, you know, well I'm a man now and I'm not you know I'm, they're not going to stop me easily. I'm just going to stand up to him i'm going to overpower people and he's been doing it so this is why they drafted him this is what they saw and it's coming together it's coming together bruce um let's move on to your bad thing yeah okay well i got a single out that uh really bad thing which was the first ottawa goal scored on an absolutely horrendous line change by the artists one of my pet peeves of all pet oh, peeves. that was a bad and, one. And this was one where the Oilers, you know, they kind of, Ottawa had been pressing them a little bit and they struggled to get the puck to center and they dumped it into Ottawa territory. Uh, but by the time they they dumped it in, Ottawa recovered the puck right away. So Ottawa actually already had the puck in their own end by the time Edmonton started to change and they tried to change all five guys. And, uh, I think it was Jones, he got off all right, and, and uh, Barry, who ultimately the goal went in off of, came out to replace him. Ethan Bearer, he had fallen outside, been knocked down outside the Ottawa blue line on the penalty box side, so like 90 feet from the bench. And he just did not have time to get up and skate all the way to the bench to be replaced. And But that's what he tried to do, and of course... By the time his replacement, Darnell Nurse, got on the ice, all he could do was look from behind while the two-on-one happened. So there was a major culprit. But there was also two forwards uh, that changed at the same time. And I think the second one, Alex Chason, I I don't think he he should have gone off at the same time as his line mate. Haas went first, so that was okay. Right, yeah. I mean, it's... They have to take advantage to get at least a partial change in, but you can't get a wholesale change when the other team has the puck. And they had three guys going in the gate at the at two gates at the same time, and it was basically a five-on-two. Yeah. And I mean, poor Barry and and Drysaddle came off the bench, and he he saw the big hole on the on the penalty box mm-hmm. side, and he came over, and of course Shabbat had all kinds of room to make a move around him, and then. There was nobody behind to support. And the next thing you know, Shabbat was in two-on-one and got the lucky bounce. But, I mean, in a sense, Edmonton deserved the unlucky bounce because it was such a crappy change. I'm sure they'll be looking on that one. And, you know, Ethan Bear, I love Ethan Bear. He's got to pick it up on these line changes. He's had some just egregious ones. It's the second one in, in a week. There was one last year that was just inexplicable that comes to Miami. I don't know how many others, but I mean, it's just a part of the pro game that you got to clean up. You can't afford to be bungling line changes that cost you goals. Because he's such a smart player. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah, he, just, he reads the game so well. He yeah. Defensive reads, offensive reads, judgment plays on the ice. He almost always makes them right, which is very impressive for a young player. But he has, he did screw that one up, man. That was terrible. That was one of the worst line changes ever. I guess he felt just, res- I think I think Bouchard made one like this early in the year. Yeah. They just feel like, I think the, the younger the players sometimes can think, I've got to get off the ice. Like, it's my responsibility to get off the ice. Like, like everyone else has changed. I got to get off the ice. But no, you, you don't do it that way. Chase on really, I, you know, he again, he's a really smart hockey player. Yeah, that was a rare mistake. And, and that him. was a rare mental mistake by him because he, 
he what he needs to do is recognize, okay, it's time for a line change. I'm going to harass the players who have the puck mm-hmm. up ice and go after them and let Haas and Neil change off. And then I'll get off. But no, he just kind of peeled off and coasted to the bench from, from 20, 30 feet away. It was, I couldn't believe my eyes, honestly, because it's very unchase on like right. uh, play from him. So, and you know, I don't know how long the shift was, uh, other than it was probably too long because there was there was mental mistakes being made by guys who really should know better. And yeah. you know, it's the old uh, sequential line change is much better than the simultaneous one. Yeah, I don't like five on twos. I never like five on twos. Yeah. <laughs> Only one thing worse. Well, two things worse. The five on nothing. I don't know if I've ever seen a five on nothing, but uh, all right, Bruce. Uh, my bad thing is it's hard to pick bad things from this game, honestly, because this this was at a just other than that first shady kind of time for the Oilers. This was a great performance from the Oilers, and uh, and uh, I'm going to go back to the losses against Toronto, Bruce. If they had been able to find to find a way to win one of those games just one of those games, they would be now tied for first place with mm. Toronto right now, Bruce. Um, the Leafs would have a game in hand, but they would be tied with Toronto if they had stolen one of those. And they probably didn't deserve to, so I, I shouldn't be complaining about it too much. But I, it's hard to let that let that go. I'm, I, I want to see the Oilers now with this top line functioning against the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if not this, if not this top line, then the dynamite line, like one or the other, pick one right. tip, but get a line that really dominates the game and use that against the Toronto Maple Leafs that you'll have a chance that I, I believe because the other, the, all the other players feed off that, but um, yeah, they'd have 38 points and so would the Leafs. So that's my bad thing is that they weren't able to do that. Well, they've actually they're actually two points closer to Toronto right now than they were at the beginning of that series. Believe it or not, Toronto Toronto yeah. beat Edmonton three straight games. Since then, they've lost three straight games all in regulation, and Edmonton's won four straight. So they actually gained back the six points plus two more. <laughs> it's kind of thought, amazing. As soon they... as Toronto got that ten point lead, I thought, well, that's over. You know, because yeah. I, I mean, it looked like the teams were passing each other on the escalator, you know, one going up, one going down, and they were disappearing into the distance. But Toronto, maybe they started resting on their laurels, you know, it's been known to happen in other places. Yeah. Yeah, it comes and goes for these teams. You know, you're not going to win every game, obviously. But right. uh, getting swept are... in Vancouver is not a good look, though. Yeah. The Oilers are going to have to be careful. I mean, if Vancouver gets some good goal, oh. they're a different team. They haven't had that. And yeah. and um, so we'll see what happens here. You know, they could actually play Mike Smith tomorrow night, and I wonder if they'll be tempted to do so because that he he had so little action. But I, I, I'm sure they'll go with Koskinen. Okay, Bruce, um, where are we at now? Numbers, right? Okay, we're up to What's numbers. Number? Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with our number, which is uh, count of scoring chances, and it's from the three games set against Ottawa. 45 for the Oilers, 13 for the Senators. The Oilers had 15 to 6, 15 to 3, and 15 to 4 by our count in the three games. So they had more, Oilers had more grade A scoring chances in each game than Ottawa had in the three games combined. I mean, wow. wow. <laughs> so, yeah, poor. The Senators, um, 
they did again miss the net on some of their chances, but guess what? That's you know that's baked into how we count them. We don't count when Oilers miss the net, and we don't count when the other guys miss. Yeah, because when I was looking at natural stat trick, they actually had it a lot more even in the, the scoring chances, and maybe that's what Bob's looking at, Bob Stoffer, and thinking, oh well, you guys have it different than that. But if you miss the net, we don't count it. That's not a right. you can't score if you miss the net, and any coach will tell you that, and any any. NHL coach will tell you like missing the net is a failure. Like you you hit that net. That's when good things happen. Bad things happen when you miss the net. So um, anyway, that's our philosophy on that matter. All right, Bruce. Um, my number is 10-2. And that's the shot metric, shots on net uh, that the Oilers had when Ethan Bear was on the ice tonight. And I thought he played a really good game. Other than that, than that mistake, I was impressed with him mm-hmm. it reminded me finally of the player that i saw last year and it's been and and it's easy to forget when a player is playing poorly like how good he can be and what he brings to the game and right. th- through the early part of the season i was just starting to like doubt uh ethan bear but he's gradually worked his way back and he's been playing better in the last few games and tonight he played his best game uh, Caleb Jones also played his best game. They looked, they finally looked like a partnership that knew what they were doing out there. You know, defensemen can dominate the game by playing well, by by working together, by moving the puck well together, by cutting, shutting you down in the neutral zone and, and yeah. playing solid defense. And I hadn't had that feeling yet with Baron Jones at all um, as a partnership or or from either of those players in the last last little while. But tonight... They did it. They got it together, and uh, they started to boss the game, which is what uh, defensemen on good teams do. And the ten to two shot metric uh, indicates, I think, it's one indicator that uh, that's exactly what happened tonight. Well, for Caleb Jones, it was eight to four, but uh, he had some nice moments too. He had one a tremendous shift in the uh, second period, I think it was, where he won a puck battle. Uh, deep in the zone along the boards, he pinched and he and he won the battle and he made a terrific pass right across the seam to Pugliarvi, who didn't miss. Like that was a fantastic save by Joey yeah. Gord, best of the night for him. Uh, and then a few seconds later, Ottawa was trying to c- come back on the counterattack, and Jones just stepped up in the neutral zone and disrupted the rush, took the puck skated away from him and, and got it back in the zone. And it was just, you know, two different types of, of play, but both very positive plays from an evident perspective, getting the puck going in the right direction was the thing in common. I know a lot of fans are frustrated that Nevin Bouchard isn't playing, and I, I share that frust- frustration. I feel that in with like three or four games ago, I was advocating to play Bouchard over Bear because he had been performing better. Um, that said... You know, Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones have been in the organization longer. They have earned, they have played well at the NHL level in the past. Same with Bill Logason, with Wild Bill. These guys have earned a little bit of a shot here and, you know, to play themselves out of the lineup. And they're not doing it. They're they're uh, they're performing well. And Chris Russell, was he's playing some of his best hockey before he got hurt here. So it's, 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 a, it's frustrating because... Um, Bouchard probably is ready for the NHL, and I know I'd love to see him play, and I've advocated for that. If, you, if they want to win the Stanley Cup, they've got to figure out a way to get him in the lineup. But it's you have, you have the defenseman playing so well. It's, uh, it's a nice problem to have as the, 
as the cliche goes, the sports uh, announcer cliche goes, it's a nice problem to have. I love Bouchard. He played a bunch of games, and every one of the games except one, he played. Evan uh, Ethan Bear was hurt, right? I mean, he got gonged in that game ten. Jones got a couple games. He made a mistake. He was in the press box. Bouchard was in in game twelve, and he played almost every. I think he missed one game out of like the next ten or twelve. But once Bear came back, uh, I think it's pretty clear in the hierarchy of the team that uh, uh, Dave Tippett thinks that uh, Evan Bouchard is his fourth option on right defense right now. And so for one game, he tried him as left defense, and that that was the one game that he and Bear not only were in the lineup together, but they were paired together. And they did that two righty experiment, and they got burned for two goals in the first period against Toronto. Yeah. And and Bouchard hasn't been in the lineup since. So I've got him pegged as the fourth right defenseman on the pecking order and the 27th left defenseman on the pecking order because that really left a sour taste in Dave <laughs> Tippett's mouth, and we have not seen that experiment again, even against Ottawa. Yeah. So hang tough there, uh Evan Bouchard fans, he's, he's, uh, he did a lot right in that opportunity that he got, but once Bear was recovered from the injury, he got a spot back. It's a little embittering because he kind of made two mistakes and they ended up in the back of the net. You know, that's yeah. bad puck luck. But overall, he's been doing a good job. Like, mm-hmm. he did a good job this year. So, And, and, and to, to have the coach holding that against you seemingly, right? right. It, seems, it's, it seems doubly <clears throat> embittering because it seems like you're, it's like a case of the coach magnifying these two mistakes for a guy who's other, otherwise played very, very well. And every defenseman makes big mistakes. Yep. So, but I think it's just. Who are you going to bench to put him in there though? Well, that's it. And William Lagesson, Bruce is just, he's playing such fine hockey. He just looks like such a solid NHL defenseman. I have him ahead of Jones right now. And I'm went into this year as one yeah. of Caleb Jones's biggest boosters, but Lagesson has just outplayed, outplayed uh, uh, both Jones and Bear. 18 uh, minutes for Logson tonight. Six shot attempts, the most of any defenseman on the Oilers. More than Barry, who spent five minutes on the panel, on the power play. Or Nurse, I guess, uh, yeah. Nurse had five shot attempts, and uh, Logson had six. Including one real close-in stuff play, and one of those deadly wrist shots from the blue line that didn't look like anything until it surprised the goalie and nearly beat him. And he's going to get his points, I think, Lagasin. You know, on a plus two on the night. like, like, uh, And they, they were getting a lot of the defensive assignments, him and Larson, as you would expect. I mean, they're the water shutdown pairing. And uh, clearly, Dave Tippett uh, and presumably Jim Playfair like to, those guys as a pairing that they kind of play a similar style. They support one another and they make the other team pay the price when they're out there. And it's nice to have that... Uh, uh, that option and you're, you know, among your three pairings. I wonder how much having like all of this comp- internal competition, you know, cause, it, cause so I'm complaining here about Negard getting in the lineup for instance. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, some other we've complained in the past about various defensemen not playing. I wondered how much that drives these players in terms of like, you, you can't, you got to go for it. You got to play mm-hmm. hard or you're going to be sitting. You're not going to play. So that's, we, we haven't had this kind of competition forever in Edmonton. So good job by Kent Holland and uh, put together this, this roster. Here's one for you. I mean, on, on the right side, right? Cassian's on injured reserve. Yeah. Archibald, the greasy right winger penalty killer has been out and he's missed the last three or four games. Uh, Tourist came in, had a good game there, but he went on the COVID protocol. So that's three depth right wingers that they're down. 
So they reach into the taxi squad and they add Patrick Russell to what I'm calling the cab line with uh, Kara and uh, Shore, because all three of them are on the taxi squad here not too long ago. <laughs> and tonight, all Patrick Russell did was play almost 12 minutes. He had an assist on the game winner. He was plus one. He had uh, two shots on net, three hits, one takeaway. And when the Oilers were protecting the lead, that line had the puck down below the icing line half the time, just grinding, grinding, grinding the boards. Nothing real sexy about it other than that clock ticking down while the Oilers had the lead. And, I mean, he's not... Tonight, he's their 12th forward because they were down three or four other guys that even made it in the lineup. And when your 12th guy or 16th guy or whatever he is can come in and deliver a performance like that, you got to love it. That's real depth. They have it. This is a good hockey team, Bruce. This is a good hockey team. And the only question is, is how much how much better can it become between now and the end of the year? So I, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, where you can't relax watching the hockey games yet even if it's the senators but but um because they're not you know calgary's well they are they are nine points back they got sutter yeah i know they got sutter there then we always play there twice next week this road trip immediately coming up i think it's going to tell us whether the oilers spend the second half of the season defending a playoff spot or if they Spend challenging going off challenging for the top yeah because you know if they can have successful results against vancouver tomorrow and then calgary on monday and wednesday uh you know and i'm saying they got to win all those games but they just have to hold their own and and uh you know come away with points um, this is this is my thought about the orders bruce mm-hmm. like when they're competing though against ottawa maybe in a game that you think they might be lacking a little motivation or something it's, they're not just competing against the Ottawa Senators because of the internal competition on the oh, team. Gosh. Every player out there, like especially the bottom six guys, and there's three or four defensemen. Mm-hmm. Like they know if they do not really perform well and just go for it, all all out go for it, they're out of the lineup. And so this is the advantage they have over the Calgary Flames because the Calgary Flames don't have that kind of depth. And um, so I, I think you know. Calgary could have its Ken Hitchcock moment. You know, when Hitchcock took over the orders, they went on a good run. You know, you get the, mm-hmm. the uh, you know, the old-timey coach, old coach change, there. bounce. Is that the dead yeah. cat bounce? Is that what they call that? Anyway, it's, uh, it was... Uh, uh, but I don't... It's I to don't. be expected from, from uh, Calgary, but uh, Edmonton, by virtue of having won the last three battles of, reg- of Alberta all in regulation, have opened a nice gap there. Yeah, so good luck to the Flames. It, you know, it's not they could do that. They could they could catch up on the Oilers. They could, but um, I'm not catch I'm, up on the Habs. <laughs> yeah, they 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 could they could catch up to the the team loser point, and mm. um, and overtake them. Montreal. Uh, well, we haven't seen them very much. We'll see them. We'll see them a bit more. There's going to be a lot of games against Montreal because we it's the team we've probably seen the least, right? Winnipeg. Yeah. Well, Winnipeg's a good hockey team. I yeah, they played. That. They played um, uh, three against Montreal. They lost the two games here, uh, and then they won the one game in Montreal by a shutout. Anyway, they have a three-game series there uh, coming up here shortly. There's a oh, huge. Sweet. The Oilers played ten games in sixteen days here. Tonight was the yeah. first one, and they have three back-to-backs in there, 
and at no time do they have more than one day off between games. So it's really going to be a huge grind. We're going to be doing a lot of podcasts, Dave, and it's going to be, uh, um, you know, eight of the ten are on the road for what difference that makes in fan-free environments. Um, but now, I mean, the Oilers have played 18 home games and only 11 on the road. So yeah, such time as they ever do let fans back in the building, it's going to be opposing fans more than home games, which is unfortunate on a couple of levels from Oilers' perspective. Alrighty. Well, you know, yeah, lots of podcasts, Bruce. I want to, I want to say, you, you know, uh, these podcasts have been on YouTube for a while, and it's just really gratifying to see how much people enjoy the podcast on YouTube. It's a, it's quite a different experience um, for me, at least. I, I guess I'm kind of a controversial person, and you know, on Twitter, I get in lots of arguments with people, and it's back and forth, and there's constantly people attacking me, and I'm attacking back. YouTube, though, like the people who listen to this podcast, they seem to actually like our, they seem to like our podcast. And, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not very, doesn't seem as controversial for some reason, what we say. And uh, there's just lots of positive comments. And, and, and I have to say that's very encouraging uh, for me yeah, and, and gratifying. And I really appreciate it. People from all over too, right? Sometimes we all around get the comments from people from uh, all corners of the globe, it seems like. It, it, it does feel that way, Bruce, and it feels like there's all kind of this Edmonton or Oilers diaspora around mm-hmm. the world, people who want a little f- feel of Edmonton, like of the Oilers and of Edmonton, and mm-hmm. that's why they're coming to the podcast. So, yeah, it's the fateful. All righty. Thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. Yeah, we'll be doing this again tomorrow night. Tough, tough order in, in Vancouver. I, I don't have real high expectations tomorrow. I, what I do have expectations of is that Vancouver is going to play well. They've had a couple days off, uh, and uh, uh, they had a nice little streak, and they had a bad loss their last game, which will probably light a fire under them tomorrow. So I'm expecting to run into a little bit of a hornet's nest there, and if the Oilers can come out of that with a result, that, that'll be very positive indeed. Yeah. Do what the Leafs didn't do. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.